0: Take about two more minutes with this, two or three more minutes. Okay, about one minute, one more minute. Now, somebody from somebody from this group should be able to report out what you guys have decided on. Is there someone who wants to uh, report out? All right, Brooke will do it, and Carrie will do it. All right. You can take about 30 seconds more. About 10 seconds. All right. 10 seconds are up. All right. I'm going to give the microphone to Brooke Josted over here, and she's going to report out on what your group said.
1: All right. So we're in a round room. It's a break room. So we're going in there for a lovely afternoon snack. We show up, and the floor is completely dark. So our guide dog falls on it, and all of a sudden, we just see eyes on the floor, and it's kind of creepy. And there's a rug rolled up, just like a a throw rug, but every time you step on it, it trips you because it's kind of rolled and bunched up. So we have our bagel. We're going to go make a bagel and a cup of coffee. So we put the bagel in the toaster. It completely burns the bagel. And when we make coffee, there's a bunch of grounds in our coffee cup. And then we go to microwave another bagel. But first of all, we can't find the microwave because someone came in and moved everything to trick us. And second of all, none of the buttons are labeled. Um, oh, yeah. So then we decide to just buy a soda on the vending machine. So we put in our money And it completely just eats the money. We reach in, we get our hands stuck trying to get our soda out. (laughs) So finally, we have one more issue. We we're decided. Okay, we're just gonna eat from the burnt bagel, whatever. All they have is forks and spoons. They don't have any butter knives. The end.
0: Very good. Now let's, all right, um, I'm going to give the microphone over to Carrie Hooper. All right, thank you,
2: thank you so much. Well, our room is a restaurant, and there are candles on the table, and amidst those candles, you have touchscreens to order your food. Yep, and they don't talk or anything, so... And then the tables and chairs are a bit wobbly because they are on a tile floor and they're way too close together. And then uh, the salads are on these real small plates, these square plates, and they're big, great big lettuce leaves. And you have to eat with chopsticks. (laughs) And... uh, so, And we call it the Bill of Unfair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Now, did you say that the menus were touch screen menus? No, Is no the it menus are, there's no braille no menus. There are no braille menus, you do your order on a touch screener. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. exactly. That would be challenging. Now, the next exercise... Well, what did you think of those? What did you think of the two rooms? Well,
3: so they both involved food, which I thought was very yeah. interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they
4: both <laughs> rendered hopeless scenarios.
3: Yeah.
4: Well, as a low-vision person who does try to visualize things, I got a really good mental picture of both rooms. I could
3: put myself
4: in those rooms. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I was a little confused by... It sounded like there was a guide dog, Brooke, and and then the guide dog became the carpet or so. So it just trend. Was it actually the floor or was it still a guide dog? Hopefully they didn't step on their dog. <laughs> you. You know, you know, I've noticed that this week that the do- you know, usually you hear like a yelp of a dog getting stepped on, but this week people seem to have been really careful about that. Um uh, All right. The next exercise I would like you to do is I would like you to um each uh, I'd like you to go around the table and each of you recount an incident where you were scared, where you felt fear, and um, it should take it should not take you more than a minute to tell your your story so uh let's go around the table starting with uh this gentleman here you're uh you're the pastor, aren't you I forget your name though. And you're from, that, you're from that Peter, what's your last name? And you're from that city in Wisconsin with the weird name. Baraboo. Baraboo. All right. All right. So let's go around the circle and uh, starting with, uh, with Peter. Peter. And tell, and each of you related incident where you were scared. Moving from Peter's, starting with Peter and going from the left over here. Why don't we start with, um, let's start with Darian and uh, go to the left. Yeah, it should, it should take, it should take you about one minute to tell your story then I want you to vote on who has the best story.
5: To get out there, and that um, she told that, that I live in Baraboo, but I'm serving here in a town called Pascale, and that she told me we're going to be in so I got a call at 10 to 8, it was just an hour before worship service started, and she said, I'm in do that as soon as I can that so, uh, we okay. started worship late and you know it's like am I gonna have to preach? Because um, I hadn't prepared anything and there's only one thing I grab it and serve the people that were at me and then all of a sudden the drug disappeared. I had no idea what happened but on I was like I had no idea what was going on. And it was like it was one of the most terrifying
0: moments cuz I was completely out of control. All right Switch, switch. Hey, is everyone switching? Are we making progress here? We've got two, four, six. Has everyone gone? All right. So vote on which one you think is the scariest. Uh, You—that's fine. Um, they're just going to vote on what they think is the scariest, and then they're going to report out to you, and you can do that when you're done. Do more than one you just don't do all eight or you know <laughs> just you can do like if there's a tie Got your two. Your, all right. While you're, while um, they're still working, they have got one more person. Um, I want you to think of um, two people: um, Bob and Betty. Bob and Betty. And I want you to think of like what kind of people what kind of people Bob and Betty might be uh, yes i 'd like you to think of that come to some consensus about who Bob and Betty are, and you could just throw out ideas.
3: No, So do we have to pick one or
0: two? 1 1 If there's a tie, you can pick two. Okay. I think we got close to a tie. Yeah. All right. All right. Suspend suspend that activity for a minute um over there and <laughs> We're going to we're going to do one last exercise after this, and I had them starting to work on it. But let's do the scary stories, and let's report out from this group. Whose um, who's stories? All right, one is Brooks, and who's the other one? Oh, Ted. All right, go ahead. Uh, let me give it to um, Ted first.
6: Okay. So right, now listen to their story. Hmm. So, I was a lab assistant at Ball State uh at the School of Architecture. I was temping in the computer lab. It was uh, up on maybe the third story. This building is designed to look like an architect's desk from the sky. So, it's got a big slanted glass um part of the, the side of the building that would be like the surface of the desk. And uh I after I'd finished my shift, it was late at night. I was looking for a restroom, going down the hall, opening the doors. And I opened one door and took a step forward and and looked down and realized I was looking at the lights of traffic. um, And the lights of traffic were where I thought the floor would be. So apparently uh, I realized I stepped out of a service entrance that should have been locked to access that slanted glass area. So if I had taken a few more steps I would have fallen down a few stories. Needless to say, I backed up real fast.
0: There's a famous story by Jack Finney about... The untitled story. Maybe not the untitled story, but there's a famous story where he talks about being stuck out on a ledge. On like the... Yes. Um... So all right, I'm going to go to the other group and then I'm going to come back to your group. So look, over here at this group, whose uh, stories? First okay.
7: So, so this is Darian, and when my husband was alive, we went to a skydiving party. They call them boogies, and it was at Pacific City on the Oregon coast and he never tried to talk me into skydiving. Um, and I didn't know if I would ever try it, but when I realized I was at the ocean, I told him that I, if I, if I was gonna try skydiving anywhere, it would be there because I wanted to see if I could see the ocean from the air. Uh-huh. And I went through the description with the tandem master about what I was supposed to do and when but um when and we got in the airplane but when it actually came time and he told me okay put your feet out on the step i was supposed to put my feet on the step and then launch myself out of the airplane but i realized i didn't know how to do that and i wasn't sure if i was supposed to stay i was afraid if i stood up on the step i would fall but then i was gonna be jumping out anyway right and um it was it was terrifyingly thrilling. Did you jump? I did. Well, no. The tandem master propelled us out of the plane because I was frozen, and it was I, seasoned skydivers love free fall. and you're on your stomach, and the wind is so strong in your face you cannot hardly breathe, and. To me, that took away some of the thrill, but when the chute opened, oh my God, it was so quiet and beautiful up there, and I could see the ocean and Haystack Rock, so it was worth it.
0: All right, let me get the microphone. Um, And we gotta hurry a little bit because um, Anne still has her part of the program to do, but let me give this to Brooke.
1: All right, I was in New York City, I was on the 23rd, 24th floor, getting, getting in an elevator. Ew. It stops, and I'm just suspended in midair for a good three minutes before it decided to go down, and I was convinced that that was the rest. That was the end. <laughs> that was it.
0: All right, and uh, last story... Mr. Trevino,
8: I was swimming at Padre Island, and I was curious, what would the uh, terrain beneath the water be like when, when the water got to the point where it was over my head? So I headed out to investigate. The water was just over my head. I went down to take a look at the sand or whatever was down there when all of a sudden it was as if an invisible cable hooked onto me and I was pulled seaward by a force that I was absolutely unable to resist. The sand was speeding by under my hands. And I couldn't, I couldn't fight the current. I'd been caught in a riptide. I thought I was going to die. But after I fought down the initial panic, an episode of Sea Hunt flashed through my mind. There was my salvation. Keeping my hands, you know, oriented to the way we were going, I turned my body at a right angle to the current and began swimming forward. A second later, it was as if that cable dropped me like a hot potato. A riptide, while very powerful, is very narrow. And by keeping my head, I was able to survive.
0: Now, I want to congratulate you all. Give yourselves a hand. You've all written your first short story. Do you think do you think you could write those as short stories? It's it's your first short story. Um I'm uh I was going to do one other exercise, but I'm not going to do it now. I started it with the with the one group, um, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to make a pitch for um, my book. I have a book called um, a Book of Poetry called "Strange Encounter at the Shakespeare Motel," and um, I have copies of it on c d and also um Uh, print copies. And uh, so if you're interested in that, talk to me afterwards and we'll uh, work something out. Um, The last thing I want to do is, this is not exactly a scary story, but I want to read you a a quick poem here. This is called um, Fram Monument. My mother died in January and she was... She was 101 years old. And um, so this is a story called Fram Monument. Turns out it's right near our house, in a strip mall at the corner of 355 and 1st Street, directly behind the Chinese bank. Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m., we arrive for our appointment. A cold March day, the sky mottled with clouds and we've come to order a tombstone for my mother's grave. Turns out that Fram Monument has a whole tombstone showroom, many beautiful models to choose from, from basic gray to chalk white to black polished marble. And they'll engrave anything you want on them, a portrait of the deceased, a Valentine's heart with an arrow drawn through it, a bouquet of lilies, Entirely up to you. We want my mother's to match my father's. A flat granite marker uh, set flush with the earth. Mr. uh, Niv Fishbein, the salesman, is courteous. Doesn't try to sell us on a pricey alternative. Instead, he ushers us back to his office, bids us take seats, shows us a picture of what we're looking for, uh, tells us it might match my father's. It might not match my father's precisely. We say that's okay. It'll be close enough. He swivels his chair to face his computer, splashes a tombstone design template on the on his iMac. "Tell me what you want it to say," he says. "Simply my mother's full name, her birth and death date." Uh, do you like this font, or would you like to look at some others? No, we're very happy with this. the font he's chosen. comes to $1,098, he says, as he prints out our bill, along with the tombstone mock-up and staples two sheets of paper together. Do you accept credit cards, I ask? Of course, he says. Taking my visa and um, inserting it into a reader, would you like your receipt, please? I say, your marker should be ready in about six weeks. He tells us as he escorts us through the showroom to the door. On the way home, I think about the marker, how it will last over time, how it will last, how it will look in the grass, how it will last over time and I wonder if it's enough. Thank you. Here, Ann. This is Ann Ciappetta. Thanks, Herb. Um, all
9: right, uh, everybody, I'm going to stand right here because that's kind of in the middle of everything, right? Uh, I'm here today to talk to you about um, how to perform your well, for your poetry and short prose, uh, you know, being a visually impaired person, uh, I'll talk from from my perspective. But I do know um, that you know when we perform our work as as creative people, uh, it is often uh, very difficult to uh, to do it when you when you're blind or visually impaired. I found this out myself when. I published my first poetry book, and I was asked to do a reading, and I, and I panicked. <laughs> so I go, oh, how, do I, how do I do something like that? Uh, I don't read braille. I lost my vision um, later in life, and I just never was able to train my brain and my fingers, uh, but I was able to train my ear. So um, when I was asked to do readings of my work, I, I thought to myself, okay, I probably can't memorize everything anymore because I'm a little bit older now my brain isn't as agile as it used to be so i uh, i I asked around and I did some uh, did some experimenting with um, what I call audible prompting so it's it's preparing your text um, uh, with an electronic device audible prompting uh, so you prepare your text uh, with, uh, with a device, uh, um, I start with a laptop and um, and use my screen reader to help me prepare the text so it, it comes out in a, in a way that I can uh, arrow down or f- uh, swipe through the text, listen to it, and then repeat it. And I've done this... Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've done this um <laughs> uh- per, uh you know uh, i I've, I've been practicing i was able to do presentations uh and and other types of performance pieces and that's how i'm going to do stuff tonight at the showcase uh, so basically what what i'm i guess i'll say to everybody here if you if you have always wanted to perform your work and you've been uh afraid or um anxious about not being able to read it properly because you can't read braille, um, I would say that, that you could figure out a way to do it because I'm standing here today telling you that, that I've done it and I figured it out with the audible prompting. Uh, so I'll go through a couple of pointers about it. Uh, first, I guess, and foremost is to choose something that you feel you could partially memorize, because you you know when you're out in front of people, um, there's performance anxiety or stage fright, whatever you want to call it, that does uh, affect how you perform your piece so something that is um, fairly short, has good cadence and good rhythm, um, something that you think you could you could hang on to um, and you just need like a little bit of prompting for each line. Allowing your screen reader to help you uh, make end- line endings so that uh, if you did have to go back and read the line before, if you missed your place or something, you could do that without um, your screen reader you know, just gibbering away and losing your place. <laughs> um, and then practicing. Practice, practice, practice. Uh, that's the key. Preparation and practice. If you do those things, well, when it comes time to do it in you know in front of the crowd, uh, you'll be able to do it. Will you still be nervous? Yes. Will you still have um, like the, the, the flutters and the stomach and the yeah, probably. Uh, will you be able to get through it?" And people say, "Wow, you were great. You didn't look nervous at all. Yeah, you, yeah, definitely. Um, so So those are some pointers. Uh, and then in terms of your equipment, I, have a, I bring a laptop with me. I bring a corded um, one ear earpiece, and uh, I make sure that um, I practice right before I go and that I have a backup. Backup is really important um, because the, either your equipment can fail you um, and you, you need a backup, something, some other way to get your notes so that at least you can um, manage to get them and prepare yourself enough to wing it. Uh, and, but that's the other piece, and the, and the fear thing is you have to believe in yourself and believe that you can you can that you know that you can get up there and you can stand up there and you can allow yourself to feel the feelings and to present the emotions and and the information in a way where other people will really benefit from it uh, so at this point uh anybody have questions yes i uh I have a, uh, a Cardinal Sounds one-ear earpiece, and uh, I use the earpiece, and I listen to my te- text-to-speech. I use the arrow button on my laptop to go line by line, and I set my text-to-speech software slower than I normally listen because I want the... This is where the practice part comes in. You, you want to be able to get the rhythm right so that what you're hearing comes and comes what you're saying has the right rhythm and and the only way you can really do that is practice. You could record yourself. Uh, I've done that many, many times. Um, so you, you you know just record how you want your pauses to be. record how you want the lines you, you know you don't want the lines too long because if they're too long, you get to the end of the line and you forget where the beginning is in your mind, because you're listening first and then speaking so um so that's uh that's important um and you know being comfortable with your equipment that's probably you know part of being part of that preparation is to know um your equipment and how to use it uh any other questions yes yes
4: that you are, but uh, Stephen Casisto does readings of his work that way. Uh, last time I knew he was using a type speech, he may be using something more updated now. <laughs> uh, but he used a type of speech for that long after they stopped yeah. selling typing speech because he just had it down that way and it worked for him. And I've seen Paul Edwards do it using a Braille Light or other Braille note takers. Uh, and they are both excellent at it, but is this Really something that you feel is achievable by most people who are blind and visually impaired, or is there a special skill to it that some of us may never
9: develop? Very good question. I, I mean I can only speak for me. Um, remember we were talking ab- before about whether a blind person can be a good actor or not? Right. Um, <laughs> so if if you really want this to happen for yourself, you'll find a way to make it happen. You may not be able to read you know, 10 pages of your novel. Um, you may only be able to, you know, like for me, for instance, I'm not interested in reading 10 pages of a novel. I want to read a, po- a poem, or a short piece, or a 45-minute presentation. I, and that's it. Um, so I guess it's setting reasonable goals for yourself and knowing what you can achieve, and then just, just f- feeling it out uh you know, knowing and yeah, so I think I think if you if you wanna try it, you could you should try it. You know? And, yeah.
4: of the stories up there with him just in case he needed it, but John had a condition called retinitis pigmentosa. And the way that generally works for a lot of people is that the visual field gets narrower and narrower and narrower. Mm-hmm. And, in, and you have absolutely, totally, total blindness around that visual field. And to my knowledge, he was around, uh, he was down to about one
9: or two percent of his uh, visual field. So yeah. the pinhole. <laughs> Right. Uh, it's impossible to read an entire document
4: that way, but you can really get lost somewhere, it can help you get re centered and reoriented to do it visually. Yeah. And as
9: I said, he usually used very small print because with RB largely something. Um I think what you're talking about is very important to prepare. Yes. As Yeah. Like right.
3: <laughs>
9: that's that's a talent. I think it brought <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And could add live yeah. Hi Joel. Hi, Joel. Yes. We're done. Oh, good. Okay.
4: and your
3: Yes, you were the narrator. Did I narrate something?
4: Yes.
9: Why can't, Why can't we serve?
4: Yes, I did that.
6: Yeah. I was just
4: going to say, Michael, I don't know if you had a chance to meet last year at the convention, Mary was talking to me. Yeah,
9: oh, you did. Mm Yeah.
3: Yeah. Know what I mean. Yes, so if I don't want necessarily.
6: Um, you know, it's a spectrum, if you will. But she had wonderful
4: things to say about um, getting experience and, and building uh, a capacity to act in. Mm.
9: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And and that's what this is all about. It's about sharing your creativity and and you know, it is about practice and, and hard work, but you believe in yourself and you want to share um your writing, that's what you should do. Uh you know, it, for me it came out of a an effort of frustration because I wanted to be able to be just like everybody else and get up there and do my work, and that's what that's what got me motivated to train my you ear. You were forced into this audio popping because every other panel <laughs> was was
5: to. You didn't Braille and you could see That's print. right. But yeah.
9: It made it, made it work. It made it work, and you can too. You know, and and for everybody, it's like you said, to Braille and talk or in your iPhone or your laptop or whatever it might be, there is—it's out there for you. You just need to find it, and um, keep rhyming and keep being creative, and don't give up. The other yeah. Thing, one other thing is
0: that um, rhyming poetry—the music—rhyme was invented in the first
9: place, so that people could remember their poems. Yes. Orators, yeah.
3: Who committed uh, stories, and often very long
0: stories, to um, memory. But rhyme really helps that. Also, uh, if you think about uh, something called anaphora, which is where you start uh, sentences with the same words, like a reading
9: pattern, that also helps. Yes.
4: That some of us will ever do because we do have the other options. I know Herb and I both have somewhat commonalities in in the type of vision that we have for reading things. But one of the things I always dealt with is yes, I can read uh, out loud fairly well if I have things right on my notes. But that's just uh, you talked about looking blind when when you do something. It it definitely you know messes up an audition to be hiding your face and. And, and so I have done a lot of this type of
9: thing that, uh, uh, that Dave was talking about. Right.
3: Where I will have a uh, one word
9: outline and have those words in the large print. So
3: mm. I
4: can uh, glance down and keep going and like that John Beckley, sometimes then the words change slightly or I have to add
9: live a bit. Right. But I think that there's, I mean, it is a matter of figuring out, much as uh, Marty was talking about, finding
4: a way that you know, yes. it was possible to do this stuff. And uh, I had one experience that I thought I might share. I was taking a uh, prose reading class when I was in uh, my undergraduate work. One of my first classes, I think I was a college, freshman. and uh, we had to do a fairly long piece. And I remember I was reading something by Edgar Allan Poe. I don't remember <laughs> which one it was, but in an attempt to compensate for the level at which I had to look at that to read it, I did the whole thing, uh, squatted in almost a, a, a fetal position, and tried to make it a part of the piece. And it worked for some people, and other people, that people were so uncomfortable with you down there in the fetal position, that it, distra- it detracted from... Hmm. Presentation of the Beast itself. And I, I think that this is an issue that Anne is uh, addressing well. Uh, now, with Stephen Persistent's readings that he does, and uh, many of you have probably read some of his work, he had a bestseller uh, called
6: Planet of the Blind for a while, which is something hmm. he bestselled for.
9: Planet of the Blind. And now with his, he's got a, um, a memoir out called Have Dog Will Travel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a
4: little distracting in the way that he was doing it, I think for some people, was you could visibly see that he had headphones on when he was
9: doing yeah. And
4: that bothered some people. Oh well. <laughs> many of us who are <laughs> totally blind or near to <laughs> it would never think that, that would be really
9: mm-hmm. bothersome. But mm-hmm. uh, how how do you spell? J U S I S D O Sisto. So uh, Michael, that was a good point you had, and I want to just—I uh, cl- guess we're—we're we're, we're close to running out of time, right? Okay, uh, we're—we, we, 15 minutes. Okay, so I have a writer friend, poet and writer. Her name is um, Linda McKinney Lambert, and um, I met her through the Writers Party Line. Uh, yeah, Deanna's I'm going, uh huh, because she knows <laughs> <laughs> Gary. Uh, yeah, you guys both know, right? Okay, so we have a we, well. I might as well talk about Writers Party Line just as a. A, an informational thing. Um, a writers' Party Line uh, is far, part of Behind Our Eyes, and uh, it's a, um, uh, a writers' group, and it's very supportive, and they also um, publish the uh, biannual magazine, Mag- Magnets and Ladders, and, ba- and you can find out more about it at magnetsandladders.org. Uh, but we're, we're, it's a wonderful, wonderful group. Yes. Yes, and we have conference calls. Yep. Uh, Magnetsandladders.org. or behindoureyes.org. Behind our eyes. Mhm. That was the first anthology. Okay. Can I can I cut in and just tell you about what Linda? I'll finish the Linda story and then you can go. Um, She was up. She was very concerned about. um, She had a. a She was going to do a reading for a poetry society in her area, and she's low vision and she uses a CCTV. And she was undecided about bringing the CCTV with her, so she could um, she could read her poetry and read it well and with confidence. And, and I, I remember we, we had this discussion over the writer's party line. We're like, bring your CCTV with you, set it up, and, and read the way you feel most confident about your writing. And she was like, oh, I don't know. And then a couple of weeks later, she reported back to us that she made the decision to bring the, her CCTV and set up all her equipment. And it was the best choice she made because everybody said that they were so happy to, for her to hear her share her poetry. So, without doing that, she might not have had the chance to read her own poetry in the way that she wanted to read it. So that's, and, that, and that's kind of what got me thinking: you know, well, I can do it, um, and, and the person next to me can do it. It's just how you're comfortable, what you're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we
9: Hanna know otherwise. With Deanna
3: in a radio play that yes, she I heard. Was. And Deanna had a role
4: in it that she portrayed as well. Uh, and while Deanna Noriega may not be able to read Rails out loud, well, the little black Labrador
3: that she was playing in the,
9: uh, in the radio play. <laughs> <excellent> <laughs> play. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> <laughs> no
4: problem at all because she removed herself. <laughs> well, she was, she was just
9: doggedly <laughs> <bobbantly> determined. <Yeah. laughs> okay. so, oh, geez. Uh, yeah. Any other questions? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna go jump to the other table. You guys have anything to add? Could, like all the if' coming to the other... yes. Hi, Kate. I didn't know you were here. I would have told you. I would have you know, shout out. <laughs>
3: shout out to Kate.
9: Ah, another good point. Yes. Good for you. That's what we all should be doing if we can, you know. We could probably find it then. If that's a name, you can, yeah. Okay. Oh, Pacific. Okay. Explorations in Creative Writing. And it's hyphenated and is a Google group. So you can probably find it by just... Going into Google search and typing that in with the hyphens. There um, are also, if you're interested in writers'
3: groups, um, state poetry societies always Mm. have groups.
0: And um, if you go on to meetup.com, there are a lot of writing groups on meetup. And um, there are
9: also a lot of writing groups on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And your local libraries may have, um, may have group, you know. There's nothing worse than than a critique group, and you join it, and like, and everybody just t- yeah. tears you apart, and then you're like, "I'm
0: wait away." But can I, I say something about that? Um, it is important as you're developing as a writer hmm. to develop a thick skin. for Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. important. You
5: get a lot of rejections. Yes. You many,
0: typically, you get many fewer acceptances. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. You've got, you've got to uh, not take rejection notes too seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean,
9: take them seriously, but okay. don't let them eat at you. you take right. It. Take them in a fair, open-minded. Yeah. That you know, that person said that I should. You know, that maybe I should change this word. Do I really want to change this word? Is it really going to help? Right. How can I be clearer? <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 The best the best writing groups really do
9: look closely at your writing and they don't just give you praise. They, yes. they give you constructive Yes. That could be a whole nother workshop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it's okay if it bothers you too, because if it didn't bother you, you wouldn't be personally invested in your work. I think the important thing is not to let it bother you to the point of distraction or to the point where it shuts you down, you know. Um, yeah, right, right. Yes, question. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Herb, you wanna
0: you can do uh you can do either one. I got this study with some famous writers and you can, there's always there are always good writers teaching at colleges and universities. Yeah. Uh, there are also writers who teach, you know, like in, in uh,
9: adult education Yes, yes. Like.
0: Wow yeah,
9: how are we on time' Because i over, over, over yeah. okay so i wanna i wanna uh just for closing remarks is you know everybody write, 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 and read, 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 and write, and read more, and uh you know invest in yourself, so thank you, Herb. Do you
2: want this back.
0: Yeah, you want gotta, the closing get, code? yeah, do you have it or you want No, I don't have okay, it. I'll okay. hold the microphone while you. And come tonight because I'll perform a better poem. I'll perform more confidently tonight when I'm not trying to read microscopically small print. Come to the FIA. Is everyone going to the Fia showcase tonight? Three nine five nine eight, three nine five nine eight.
3: Yeah. It went okay. It yeah. went it wasn't it was Bailey's uh, like, oh it's all about me. It's all about Bailey. It was very um, so what you enjoy most generous. About the people were very generous with oh. oh. comments. Uh, uh, <laughs> you no. Know, a
0: uh, No, there was just
3: a Michael. lot of people. You know,
0: uh <laughs>
4: It's. Yeah, I'll be
3: ready. Right yeah, your life going? Good.
2: you like, like going okay? I'm going to. Do you, do you wanna uh, a chapter